Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, it is so good to come here as your children and worship you, as those forgiven and redeemed in Christ, to sing your praises, to welcome you. Lord, now as we spend a few moments meditating on your word, bless us and help us to grow in our faith. In your name we pray. Amen. Everybody encounters conflicting expectations. You have them at work, right? The boss who wants to sell more product at a higher price, using fewer people to make it higher productivity in less time. The team that you work with that most likely would like to work less and make more. They're the clients who want you to have time for them whenever they want time. doesn't matter to them that you have other clients that you're working with. They want you and, and who want whatever it is they're getting from you. They want it yesterday. Not today, not tomorrow. Yesterday. And then you come home, and your husband or your wife, your kids all want a piece of you, right? Suppose that happens your own. And, and if you've got family and you've got kids today, then every night of the week, especially the older they get, there is something going on someplace, and sometimes they have the same different things going on in different places at the same time. And you're, you're pulled in all sorts of directions. And then, and then the church calls. Beth Eggman calls and says, volunteer for me. Please, the answer to being a disciple is yes. <laughs> and then there are things that need to be fixed. Dinner that needs to be made. Laundry that needs to be done. Stuff that needs to be cleaned. Let alone trying to figure out what's going to live and die in our yards right now. You young people have expectations too. You, you go to school and if you're in sports, the coach wants you to practice and practice harder. And then there's conflict. You know, there's, there's a, a game where there's practice at the same time as confirmation. That's one that sticks in my craw, by the way. And the teacher wants you to get more homework done. Your parents want you to get your grades up. The person you work for wants you to schedule hours. Your friends want time. There are all sorts of expectations. It happens here at church. I know that surprises you. Some Really want traditional worship. Some really want contemporary. Some want blended. Then just this past year in COVID, last June, we had people who didn't want us to open up yet. We had other people who wanted us to open up sooner. Then there's a the controversy. Should masks be mandatory? Should they be voluntary? Should we have one service? Should we have two services? When can we stop following the COVID protocols? And on the list 
goes. And then there are the moral expectations, the society that thinks promiscuity is to be expected, and the God who expects that there is not going to be promiscuity, the boss who expects maybe you'll need to fudge or lie or stretch the truth a little bit to make a sale, but your faith says, no, you should be honest even if it costs you your job or costs you the sale. I hate to tell you something, but this is the truth. Try as you might, try as we might, we aren't, it's a secret, we aren't going to please everyone. (laughs) Jesus encountered conflicting expectations. People came to him, and they wanted to be healed. It didn't matter to them what day of the week it was. But the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders, when it was Saturday, when it was the Sabbath, they condemned Jesus for doing such work on the Sabbath. The tax collectors and the sinners, they wanted him to come over for dinner. But boy, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, boy, did they hold that against him. This man welcomes sinners. What kind of guy is he? He even eats with them. He couldn't win for losing. Palm Sunday. That's the reason we read that whole text today. It's all full of all sorts of conflicting expectations. On the one hand, there's the people who uh, took branches from palm trees. They went out to meet him. They cried out, Hosanna, and they, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Those are messianic words. They knew what they were crying. Hosanna, save us now. Save us, they thought, from the Romans. And there were the others, we're told in the text, who had heard what had happened in Bethany, what Jesus had done with Lazarus. And the reason they came out to meet him was they had heard he had done this sign. I think they were hoping for a miracle too. They were kind of expecting it. And the Pharisees, the Pharisees and the Lewis they thought people should listen to us, not him. And so what did they say? They said to one another, you see, we're gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. And then there were the Greeks who came to Philip and Philip to Andrew. Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Tell him, we want him to drop everything and talk to us. Wow. You know what? It's still true. Jesus faces conflicting expectations from us. We all would like for only good things to happen to us. We want Jesus to keep bad things from happening. Being a Christian means there shouldn't be any bad things to happen. If God is a God of love, why would he let bad things happen to good people? You know what we really like? We would just like it if Jesus would just say yes. Everything. I had, remember a lady, previous parish, said, Pastor, I pray and pray and pray that God would take the cancer away and it just gets worse. Isn't he listening to me? There are people who want Jesus to change things. And there are people who don't want anything to change. Now, I want you to think about our conflicting expectations in Jesus, and I'm going to tell a story that I think will make you laugh at me. 
when I was a kid, I would pray and pray and pray for the Cubs to win. <laughs> Took 50 years. <laughs> it didn't occur to me that while I was praying for my team, there were thousands of kids praying for their team. And only one could win. How did Jesus handle conflicting expectations? Well, he refused to be distracted. You understand, that's what happens to us. We get distracted by it. Why? Because we want to make everybody happy. And so we make decisions or don't make them, worrying about what will this person think, what will that person think, what if they're mad at me, what if they're not pleased. Anybody here do that? Churches do it. We have trouble sometimes making decisions because we're worried, well, they're going to be mad. Or they might leave. I remember... um, a church that got itself all tied up in knots, trying to decide, should the bell choir be in the balcony or down on the main floor? And there were people that were dying, well, it's going to be in the balcony. I don't want them on the main floor. And there were people, we're going to be on the main floor. And it went on and on until an elder said, it doesn't matter what you want or I want. All that should decide it is, where's the best place for the bell choir for worship and for their music? And if someone gets mad, well, let them. They can get, this is exactly what he said, they can get glad in the same pants they got mad in. (laughs) Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't get all tied up in knots. He knew coming into Jerusalem that day, those people shouting for Hosanna were going to be disappointed that, that, that they weren't going to get the Romans cast out. Right, And he knew about the bellyaching of the religious leaders, and he wasn't worried about calming them down. But he just kept going. See, Jesus stayed focused on the only expectations that matter. God's expectations. He stayed focused on the reason, the mission the Father had given him to seek and to save the lost. He had told the disciples that's why he came. He said, we're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise, and he stayed laser-focused on that mission because everything hung on it. And so when when the Greeks wanted him to drop everything, I don't know if it strikes you as strange, His answer has nothing to do with their request. Why? Because he stays focused. He says to them, 
the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. In other words, I've got something really important to do. I don't have time right now for that. He stays focused on the cross. That's all that matters. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Unless I go to the cross, unless I die, sin remains in effect. There is no redemption. There is no forgiveness. And so he stayed focused on that cross. And in spite of everybody's expectations, he lived for only what God expected because he knew that what God wanted was the salvation of us all. And that only by his blood shed on the cross could you and I be saved. Now, he said, my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The Father answered, yes. Yes, Jesus. That's where your focus should be. On me. On what I want. They don't know what they need. But we do. So Jesus kept going that week. They tried to trip him up with their questions. They put him on trial. They lied about him. They whipped him. They beat him. He kept going. They nailed him to a cross. He kept going. And he did what he came to do. He died for you and me. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. God's expectations are still all that matters. Jesus calls us to follow him. To keep our focus at home school, at work, at church, on his calling and his expectations. Listen to what he says here. He says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there will my servant be also. Folks, we can live our lives trying to please everyone and we'll make ourselves miserable. And I speak to you as the worst of sinners when it comes to that. And as a church, we can try to keep everybody happy. We can tie ourselves up in knots because this person or that person disagrees with the decision and then make bad decisions because of it. Folks, I'm not saying that we shouldn't listen to different viewpoints, that we shouldn't respect one another, but as a congregation, there's one thing that matters more than anything else, and it's not what you want, it's not what I want, it's what God wants. Thy will be done should be our prayer. You know that, that lady who had the cancer, 
she started to change her prayers. Oh, she still prayed for healing, but she started to pray, Lord, no matter what happens, give me faith to trust your will and use whatever happens to me to bring glory to your name. And God gave her a new purpose in the last months of her life. And she was an elementary school teacher. And one of the greatest things she did was she taught her children about how to die in the faith. See, I'm going to tell you something about the difference between all the other expectations that we worry so much about and about Jesus. He already loves you. He already has adopted and accepted you as his child. And he's not going to pack up his bag and go home if you fail. Because you will, I will, we will. Isn't that freeing? Isn't it great to have somebody that no matter what our foibles are, loves us anyway, so that we're free to obey him and follow him, not because we're worried that God will turn his back on us, but because we know that he won't. See, that's the gospel. That's what Jesus purchased for us by fulfilling the Father's expectations. Now what does he ask of us? Well, listen to these words. Whoever loves his life, in other words, someone who tries to please everyone will lose it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father, get this, will honor him. Who could expect more than that? Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God which pass all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.